Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. If you're interested in becoming a manager, why not speak to my Neil? He can tell you all you need to know about becoming a manager as he is a manager. He can advise you on management overalls, management wellies, and the right management hand scrub to use to get the pig shit out from under your fingernails. Because he's a manager. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Dum 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 Hello, Royfield here. Um, I'm on my lonesome. No Lucy, not even a Robert to be seen or heard from. Lucy is um, enjoying a break with her family because it's a bank holiday. So what I thought I'd do is, um, other than panic, is throw together um, some old clips and uh, get some reminiscences from you, the listeners, and some somehow cobble it together and call it a show. So Dumpty Dum started in 2014. Back then, um, the whole world was different. There was no Trump, no Brexit. I was even a married man. And this thing, this community, has kind of helped me through some traumatic and unsettling times. The first voice you're going to hear is Maeve, who was on, I believe, the very first show. And... I must admit, um, I somewhat fell in love with Maeve, who was a early caller in us. I loved her voice, loved her attitude, and in lots of ways, Maeve set the template for a caller in In that, they're spunky, sparky, ballsy, and bloody funny. everybody it's Maeve from in the big press uh yeah I've been lurking um yeah in the big press uh under the stairs hiding from uh yeah my adult daughter who's now returned home to my empty nest um so hiding in a cupboard which is now full of hair straightener shoes and 10 tons of um shite really anyways uh I popped out because they're both away today Uh, Tom is back from uni, um, but he's off in the pub on a Monday afternoon, as he should be, aged 20. It's his birthday today. 
So anyway, anyway, when I started listening to The Archers, it was when I was off on maternity leave uh, with Olivia, which is unbelievably 25 years ago. Um, she'll be 26 at Christmas. So, uh, yeah, and, and I think I started listening. Was that around the time of, of Susan going to prison? I can't remember, but I did used to listen and I was kind of hooked. Um, and I've kind of ebbed and flowed a bit. Um, I did uh, sort of go off a little bit. Um, I remember listening when John died. So it's all a bit of a blur, really, probably because of having small children. Um, but it's always been in the background and it's been it's been a... Um, they're kind of the background to my children's lives too, particularly listening to the archers on a Sunday morning um, when we lived in our little house um, before um, the divorce and life kind of imploded. Um, so, yeah, it's been the soundtrack to my children's lives and they do groan um, when it's when it's on. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Susan, when Susan was in prison. Um, and then, of course, I loved the whole um Helen storyline and Rob etc and I'm now kind of back listening because Tracy Horvin I love you you've hooked me in I love Tracy Horvin and that's the reason I'm listening again anywho hope everybody's well and um I'll go back and back into the cupboard and speak soon bye key to the show's formula is my friendship with the rather brilliant Lucy who is not only funny but has loads of smarts and a deep well of knowledge and insight into um, human behaviour and the things that drive and motivate us all. Um, Here is a clip from 2014 that shows that The Archers has the power to connect us, the listeners, or really I should say reconnect us to instances, whether a bit painful or pleasurable, that we've been through in our lives. And then through Dum De Dum and the community, we get to share them with everybody else. Well, you seem like you're on uh, fine form this morning. Do I? Mm. That's a lie. So where did you go for this piss up last night then? The pub. Oh, just, okay. Was was Greavesy there? I like Greavesy. No, he wasn't. No, he only seems to go to one pub and I am more profligate in my pub visitage you're more promiscuous uh, are you i am yes i have no sense of loyalty whatsoever uh so yes uh i I don't i very i don't very often see him actually apart from when he brings me giraffe onesies (laughs) (laughs) oh i do like him he's very nice yes i tell you i could have a bromance with him easy It's interesting that you're discovering this side of your sexuality now. What do you you mean? It's not sexuality. It's fraternalism or something. Fraternalism? Fraternal. I just want to be friends with them. Oh, I see. I don't want to get sexually and physically intimate with them. You don't want to get into his onesie. Um, Yeah, but that's what a bromance... Then it's a friendship and not a bromance, isn't it? No, 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 no. A bromance is you kind of like somebody... But it's, you know, it's heterosexual. But, or a friendship. As yeah, was... but, it, but, but it just kind of hints at kind of like you, you like them. But there's nothing funny about oh, but, it. But you do nothing, nothing funny about it. <laughs> nothing funny. No. You are straight, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, OK. Yeah, well, that is a friendship. But it's uh, with a bit of hero worship. Is that it? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, you think right. they're cool. Right. That is I'm glad I have you, you know, as my... Despite the fact that you're older than me, you're my young person. <laughs> tells me about street things. 
while I sit here being Gertrude Lawrence, not knowing what you're talking about. <laughs> Today's intro from Paul Room was brought to you by the man I'm having a bromance with, Paul Room. <laughs> Lucy, can you remind our listeners how they win the accolade of Dumb de of the Week? I like Paul Room. Is anybody who figured out that I love Paul Room? Paul, let's... is he one of your lovely girls now? No, he's he's one of my one of my bros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, who talks um all talks about inheritance and boy, you know, Paul Room's pretty cool and all, but this is a bit of a nerdy call, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> One of two as well. We had another one. That was... <laughs> First, before all that, Lucy V. Freeman. Oh, who are you? I can't think. Uh, what do you mean, who am I? Oh. Let's not get existential. It's first thing on a Monday morning. Just to, Lucy <laughs> Freeman, please tell us about the last week. That will do. Oh, go on then. <laughs> what, you want me to start? Yeah. God, nothing like a big build-up, is there? <laughs> the Pooh Factory looks to be going ahead. Hoorah! This week in Ambridge made the world at war look light and flippant. It seemed to be raining <laughs> solidly on every episode and everything was accompanied by the gloomy thrumming of rain on roofs. It added a bit of Brechtian despondency to what was already a laugh a minute. Brian was unaffected, though, and apparently hugely amused at Roy and Elizabeth's affair. Yes, it is always hilarious when people have affairs and rope their children in, isn't it, Brian? How is Rory, by the way? Uh, Charlie <laughs> is playing hard to get. He's disappeared, and Adam's been trailing around the village on his BMX, stopping people and saying, Um, have you seen Charlie? Uh, it doesn't matter if you haven't, because I'm, like, so not bothered, but, you know, have you at all? No? He got so despondent, he transferred his affections to the sheep and crutched them instead. I think that's the sheepy equivalent of a back second crack. The poor sheep <laughs> must dread Adam looming on the horizon. Run! It's Adam again! Charlie's not answered his calls and he's got a pair of nutcrackers in his hand. Helen is doing all those little jobs around the house that need doing. Polishing the knives and forks, sewing on buttons, cutting the lawn with nail scissors, hoovering out the holes on the cheese grater and polishing the gravel. Rob has graciously permitted Helen to visit Emma and even talk to Bert on the green. We don't want you getting lonely said Rob to Helen. No, not lonely, just dependent and scared. David and Ruth called a family meeting to discuss their ludicrous plan to stick the farm on Gumtree and take all the cows to live in a bed and breakfast in Northumbria. <laughs> all Kenton thought about was the cash. Elizabeth got stroppy. Shula was bewildered. Same old, same old. Well, we got them all on board, said Ruth mentally after the whole family had started shouting and then left. Uh, Fallon's starting to sound as if she is losing the plot ever so slightly. Mm. She screamed with delight about an open-air film night at Arkwright Hall, sulked because Emma couldn't then go with her, snapped at Kenton and pretended that she couldn't even remember who Harrison was. Oh, just give it up. I know what'll happen. Linda will end up doing a live one-woman reconstruction of the Battle of Bosworth. There'll be a horrible incident with the cannonball and Harrison will canter to the rescue and Fallon will faint. This sort of nonsense always happens at Christmas and secretly I love it. <laughs> Shula and Elizabeth sat in the folly appropriately enough and discussed Elizabeth's inability to manage balls. She fessed up about tent flaps to Shula who was relatively supportive, bearing in mind her own history of flagrant tent flappage in her younger days. <laughs> you know those plaques in National Trust homes that say Elizabeth I was believed to have slept here? There's one plaque in Ambridge that says Shula Archer did not have sexual intercourse here, and that's next <laughs> <is> hot. <laughs> 
Justin Elliott is coming to the Hunt Ball. Ooh, we finally get to see him or hear him, whatever. I'm fully expecting him to appear dressed as Darth Vader with lots of sinister speeches. I hope to God Susan never gets to meet him. She's got a thing about evil capitalists. She gets a bit breathy with Charlie, but the village shop will be awash if Justin ever makes it through the door. Linda auditioned for flops and was offered the challenging role of prompter. Her sniff now deserves a separate listing all on its own. I think it's up for a BAFTA. The only thing that outperformed it this week was Phoebe Tucker, played once again by Princess Margaret. Mm. She took her dad down like a 20s flapper armed with an AK-47 and the airwaves rang with the sound of listeners cheering. She called Elizabeth a tart. And after a night with Roy, a tart with a soggy bottom. The end! <laughs> you can't say stuff like that. It's a family podcast. It's a soggy bottom because they were in a tent. Oh, yes. What did you think? Well, I don't... <laughs> 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 a bit faint. All right. <laughs> you were hedging your bets with that. I think you're thinking, well, hmm, right? Generally, if people do that type of thing, the type of thing that they they done allegedly like the female person can end up with a socky bottom but that but you're hedging your bets by saying that because then also they were in a tent and they could have been some some dampness <laughs> thank you royfield i just thought i just deconstruct construction <laughs> <laughs> shall we crack on crack on and poor linda in the show well i do think you know but Linda being... I don't like the show. I'm fed up of it. I'm fed up of it. But uh, Linda's sort of ricochet... It's quite accurate, really. Linda ricocheting between... Right then, well, we won't do one. Waited for the outcry. There was no outcry. So says, <laughs> all right, then I'll do one myself. That'll serve everybody, right? But honestly, the amount of people who suggested she did the vagina monologues... Mm. is about 30 different tweets. And they're all going, vagina monologues! <laughs> what would you it. call a collective of vagina monologues? <clears throat> Um, beating around the bush. <laughs> well done. Oh <laughs> A beating oh. around the bush of vagina monologues. <laughs> well, all the alternatives would have been unbroadcastable. There we go. It's the only one I could do. Hello, Dom Dee Dom. It's Vegan Neil here. So, you were asking about how we kind of got into the archers and stuff. I think it was around about the eight, early 80s. Uh, a friend of mine who was a Radio 4 freak kind of got me turned on to Radio 4 instead of television. The artist was on and I started to listen and I kind of laughed at it, I suppose. Then as it has its way, it kind of sucked me into the story of uh, everyday country folk. Um, and I've been into it ever since. So life and times, things that we remember. The one thing that really sticks in my mind because it, it was absolutely heartbreaking was um, the death of John Archer um, and the tractor. I just remember Tony by um, by the body and saying how cold John was, and, you know, and that that was just absolutely heartbreaking. And uh, that's kind of really sad. I love the podcast. Can't wait for it every week. Um, you guys are doing a rocking job. Nice one. Uh, he remembers Haley. Starting mm. to go out with John, and wandering into the um, the pig uh, b- b- arena uh, in her stilettos, and and uh, Pat and John laughing at her because she's sort of slipping around, going you know sliding around in pig shit. Um, 
And I remember thinking, oh, God, she's so annoying. When, you know, when, mm. and she's now a village mainstay. She's, you know, com- she's completely embedded in the in the cast. It's funny how... And it, um, Is that one of those reporters in a war-torn bit of the world? <laughs> embedded. And <laughs> 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 um, when Gillian from Gateshead on her call said... Mm. I'm a relative newcomer. I've only been listening for 14 years. That just shows how we all do. Like, I still think of Hayley as she's not proper yes. village. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, Jazz is not proper village yet. It's, it's ridiculous, this attitude I have. But I think it's quite uh, common. And also, he said that one of his uh, vegan neolists said that uh, one of the things he remembers was the death of John Archer. Yeah. And that it was very sad, uh, obviously, and uh, that he can remember Tony saying, he's so cold, he's so cold. It's... I remember I was at the theatre and I can even remember what I was. I was seeing Foley and McColl with my friend Phil Mm. and his now wife. And I came out of the theatre and my sister rang me. It was about half ten and I was crossing uh, the embankment. And (laughs) she rang me and said... John Archer's di- have you heard have you heard John Archer's died and all they heard my side of the conversation was was what he's dead what what it fell on the tractor fell on him and poor Melanie was was <laughs> trying to get me a cab to rush me home or to A&E or to go and see whoever <laughs> a close relative it was of mine that had died and when I put the phone down and said Oh no, it was the archers. They, they she clouted me round the head with a handbag for making her worried. <laughs> but yes, so I think everyone's got their their bits that they remember where they were when something happened. Um, Have you? I tell oh, no. I, I tell you what, Lisa, I, I'm not going to do it. My my uncle died in my arms, and oh um, no. Yeah, yeah, and I, it is. Uh, it it was. A really, um, what's the word I'm searching for? Is really not the point. Not the, let's just just move on because I got to, you know it's oh, the line between is that, that when you said that Tony said he's, so, he's cold. so cold, he's so cold, and the line between life and death is so fine that when he died so he had a heart attack in the night and he was um we'd gone to jamaica and my uncle sam was incredibly fit and full of life it was the joker the life and soul of a party and the night before we'd been playing cards with my dad drink drinking rum and we've flown over to, to spend this weekend week with my uncle sam in jamaica and my dad and uncle sam slept uh, slept together in this one room and i called him uncle sam but he's my dad's uncle and and but there was only like 12 years between them they almost kind of grew up like brothers and my dad knocked on my room and said your uncle sam's not not well it's about six o'clock in the morning and uh, he was just lying there this kind of shallow breathing and put my hand on his heart and his heart was racing so fast but it was so faint then he mm. just stopped oh and John jumped on the bed and gave him you know do what you yeah. do what you do on the TV I yeah. don't know what I was doing yeah. correctly but we've all seen it a thousand times and then he started um, he did this kind of death lurch horrible sound thing and then started breathing again and then he kind of stopped and I did it a few times and you know we all knew he'd actually died 
but nobody said anything. And it was only, yeah. when, only when the doctor came 10 minutes later and he said, yep, yeah, all right, so he's dead. So I reckon he died about uh, 15 minutes ago and was very matter of fact about it. Ooh. And you just thought, but he was just, he was alive, he was playing cards, yeah. you know, and, oh, it's just, you know, and he, and, and he was cold, you know, and it's, um, yeah, you know, life and death. And I think that that is the, we all have, um, we all kind of take little bits and pieces of, and that's the reason why this is so powerful because bits resonate with you, whether it yeah. is, um, jazz are chasing girls and it, and it reminds me of being in my 20s or whether it last is... week <laughs> sorry <laughs> I was having a moment sorry. I can't but what's the matter with you what's the sorry. matter with you I have the English embarrassment of emotion so I have to ruin it with a bum joke I'm sorry so you have the storylines which you personally connected to because that's some kind of resonance with you in your life you have the storylines that you came in with to the archers mm. and then you also have characters that for what well, for whatever reason you have a special connection with and you go on a journey with them and there is something about the and we have said this before but there is something i think intrinsic about the nature of a radio and audio drama which a lot of people listen to with their with their headphones on or in a solitary way it's incredibly Mm. intimate Mm. you know i've talked about the time when i had to pull over and i was driving i had to pull over and listen to vicky talk about um about being pregnant and knowing that the baby's going to be downs and then i just absolutely so emotional and then and then just hearing about um, John being so cold, you know, it reminds me of, uh, you know, a really traumatic bit of my life. And, and, yeah. and this, and it just shows the, the absolute kind of visceral power of, of drama and, and the reasons why we love this. Hey Dum to Dum, it's Claire from Clapham here. How did I come to the Archers? Well, I wanted to talk about that and also how I came to Dum to Dum because um, there's a bit of a circular relationship. So the Archers story is kind of not desperately exciting. I lived in Spain for two years, moved back in 2002, and I was living by myself and I didn't have a TV because I hadn't watched any British TV for two years and I didn't really miss it, so I didn't bother. And um, But I bet I found that I was listening to the radio and I would listen to the 6.30 comedy and then just not quite get around to turning the radio off. So I accidentally sort of got gripped and it was a time that um, Rory was about to be born. So it was incredibly dramatic and I had to go back on the internet and work out who everyone was. Skip forward many years to about, I don't know, three or four years ago, I guess. And uh, my friend and colleague at work, Jenny, said something about oh I was thinking about getting into the archers and at the time I said oh god it's really boring at the moment don't bother I'll let you know when it gets more interesting and then a couple of months later I said oh yeah it's worth starting now so I got Jenny into the archers and then very soon after that she got me into Dum to Dum because I never knew podcasts even existed um so she was much more technically savvy than me and so she then introduced me to Dum to Dum which was my first ever podcast 
and there you go here we are still going strong uh, I like the fact that I helped Jenny find the arches and Jenny helped me find Dumsy Dum uh, and we both have each other to thank so uh, yeah keep up the good work bye Hi everyone, it's Auntie Jean here. We are at the Old Fleece near Stroud and we've had a lovely roast dinner lunch. And I am with... Barb, aka Kelowna Girl. Eric. Julie Harvey. And Barb and Eric are over from Canada again. And Julie is living up near Stratford-on-Avon at the moment. She's come a lawfully long way to be here, so that's lovely. We are going to sing you a dumpty dum. How good it'll be... Oh, my husband's here as well, but he didn't want to join in because, you know... He doesn't really listen to the archers. He's like, why did I marry him? I must get a divorce. I must remember to do that. Anyway, are we ready after three? Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. Bye. Hi. Royfield, it's Nick Max from Facebook and Waking Craigman from the Twitter. Um, long time listener in her, first time I've called in. Um, just to say, I started listening when I was at uni, like most people do, because um, my boyfriend listened to Radio 4 all day. So I started listening to The Archers, and that was the aftermath of Mark Hebden's death. Um, so I've, I've been through the mill with Brian and his various women, um, with Helen and eating disorders and boyfriends killing themselves and all that kind of thing. Um, it's brilliant because it gave me a bond with my partner's mum. Um, so we used to dissect the archers together. So that was great. Um, also, my degree was... Um, based around agricultural history so um, I could kind of pretend I was doing research anyway I'm still with the boyfriend love you all lots take care I'll start yeah, right. and like I'm, I'm going to be brief right now superb writing and acting Timothy Watson and uh, Louisa uh, Pitakis uh, were absolutely amazing and you heard Rob go through the gears of emotion you did his uh, his false bonhomie you saw or at least you heard naked raw anger um he tried to be conciliatory then he became aggressive again he he, he went through uh those the the range of just naked emotion beautifully and because He's obviously such a consummate actor, Timothy Watson, and because the storyline is on this uh, believable bastard uh, that his acting, Timothy Watson's acting, has actually um, overshadowed the sublime acting of uh, Louisa. And you saw her yesterday, or at least we heard. This is the thing, because this is done so well, I keep on saying, we saw... Yeah, you know, it's know. that good. It's that good that you think, you know, you think you've seen it. Um, she was absolutely tremendous and actually has been for the whole two and a half years of this storyline. You know, we we don't give her the plaudits that she deserves. No. And, and then the writing was absolutely top notch. Yeah, it was top notch. Wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely top notch. And then, you know, there's another and then. The sound effects, because 
were absolutely superb. So it was so claustrophobic and intense. It was an incredibly believable. And when you go, because I hardly ever listen to the shows twice over, but I had to listen, as I'm sure everybody else did, uh, to this again. And you heard the you heard the slap, the punch when mm. when Rob hits her. You hear the knife. You, mm. you, it, it's, it's all there. It's all there. It yeah. painted such a vivid picture. So we need to absolutely doff our caps to the the special effects department, to the scriptwriter, to and to the actors concerned. Where the whole thing falls down is that it shouldn't have happened in mm. the first place. It's the I plotting knew you of were the whole say thing. That. I know. I know. I know. Now, it, it was piss poor. <gasps> now, life. It, I'm sorry, but let's just call it. As it is. I knew Surely. when I texted you yesterday, I went, ah! And you just went, yup. And I thought, oh no, he doesn't like it. I know. No. Surely a fitting tribute to the sterling work of highlighting coercive control to the great British public in a dramatic setting would have been for Helen to leave Blossom Hill Cottage. Not without a struggle, but to, to have her leave there with the help of Kirsty, because that would have been realistic, and leave there with Henry. Not to have her put a knife in the man's guts, however much he deserved it. How empowering was that? All but, of this work... On, no, no, no. She's in a small village. Where is she supposed to go? To a mum and dad's. I know, but he's... To you know, her mum and dad's. Yeah, or, to the very they, least, the, or to the very least, she could have nipped round to Kirsty's and mm-hmm. gathered herself for a day or two and then gone round to Marham Pass because That's we all know do, that it? Pat is not going to understand. She just turns up on the no. doorstep. She's not. So she needed a day or two. She said going to do that. She said, I just, she said to Kirsty, I'm leaving. I just need a day to, to... I just need a couple of days to sort myself out. But then when he went for Henry, that was what triggered... She never meant to do that. Lucy, we had... They've had the opportunity, all of the press that they've garnered, good, sensitive press, actually to show um, a woman or somebody who's in that situation how to get out of it. Mm. So they've, they've told you how to spot the signs. They've told you what number to call. They've told friends uh, what uh, what are the signs also yeah. to look out for, and then just said, "I oh, know." By the way, you stab him in the guts. Mm. It is so bad, you know. They've. I'm going to be, you know, to be true to how terrible I think this is. I actually think, and this could actually scotch anybody from the Archers coming on this show again. I actually think a V sign is being put up to us listeners because quite simply there is a there is a there is a can, I, can I just reiterate this is you saying that not me normally it's me I can't believe it's you saying this well I feel that strongly about it there wow. is a conceit between us between us listeners of the archers and the conceit is that we think we're a little bit smart mm-hmm. let's be quite honest about it and we think we don't do soap. We think we don't do uh, uh, drama with obvious tropes. And this is partly the reason why we love this thing. It's it's a long-form character drama. And we are into the characters. 
and we do not like to be reminded that actually this is a soap we don't and this is such a massive cop-out that it reminds us that actually we are listening to something which is uh, in the same genre of EastEnders on Coronation Street. I repeat, there is no way that the good press that this thing has garnered deserved that shoddy ending and the thing is it's not even an ending we're going to have to sit through another year of her being on remand behind Mm. bars whatever then the trial it reduces this to the Mm. periodic uh, court appearances that happen on Coronation Street, a program I used yeah. to love, and EastEnders. And the other thing is, we've reduced Helen to being an utter, utter victim. Not a woman who could find strength mm. in uh, finding herself, and and through you know the uh, the and through the help of her friend, and actually saying, "I am, you know, I'm strong. I can overcome this." She's just some. Pathetic, weak soap character. And I've said this time and time and time again. The Archers has been the Helen Archer show, actually, mm. for a number of years. It actually has. It actually has. And she is this complex and great character. You know, she is the protagonist that most people didn't like. And, mm, and she yeah. could have reinvented herself slowly, but believably, and this storyline could have been the catalyst for it. And what we have is a sub-1990s Brookside storyline. To say I was disappointed is putting it mildly. I'll repeat, the acting, superb. The writing of that episode, superb. The sound effects people, you know what, they deserve uh, yeah. whatever bonus they're going to get. <laughs> you know, <Goodness. laughs> you know, they, 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 yeah. they deserve it. They deserve yeah. it. Right. It was an absolutely riveting bit of drama. Does it serve the archers in the long term? Absolutely not. Mm. That's the truth. It doesn't serve this thing at all. It was a wrong mistake. Not even well, a, a wrong mistake. It was the wrong move to make. As, Absolutely. As our bridges with the, with the ups anyway. Well, I would well, like to think, I would like to think I've said what I've said in a somewhat kind of constructive way. Um, I know. But we uh, know, don't we, ultimately, that this was about... Oh, I'm trying really hard to phrase this. Um... The long-term interests of the archers were not the foremost concern of the people that designed this storyline. And the fact it's rapid uh, conclusion and dramatic conclusion was linked to other timing. You know what I mean, don't you? I think I know what you mean. And it's hard not to come to that conclusion also. Yeah. And... I think, you know, taking, looking at this, you know, from 30,000 feet above, they chose the right character for this storyline. 
you wouldn't have believed it if it was Jolene. You wouldn't have believed it if it was just a. It wouldn't it couldn't have been anybody but Helen. They they chose the right vehicle to show um, nice middle class middle England that domestic abuse doesn't just mean um, a slap to a slap to the chops, punches, you know, etc. etc. And that um, abuse can come in in this at the, at the start a more subtle way and then it could, becomes incredibly uh, corrosive and as damaging as bones being broken and, and bruises mm. to be left on you know on arms etc mm. and we, whatever I feel about this whole wider thing I have to acknowledge that I've learnt a lot and I know many people have, have learnt a lot that women have been suffering from this type of abuse for years mm. and it, it you know so again you have to say well done but we've been subjected to two and a half years of this to end up in albert square yeah <laughs> we've gone we've gone from ambridge to albert square and mm. it's taken us two and a half years mm. to get there and the you know as i've said before we 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 watch our Scandi dramas on Netflix. We dig out some rare classic play on BBC Four because we like informed, detailed, richly layered character drama. And we've just been let down spectacularly we really have and everybody that was told to turn up and to and to deliver this did a superb job but they shouldn't have been asked to do it Mm. yeah so you didn't like it then (laughs) (laughs) because you're a bit ambiguous there I couldn't quite tell but yeah (laughs) And, and the other thing is as well so, oh, is there another thing? <laughs> purely is an afterthought. Mm. So let's take Helen out of the mix. But now we've set Henry up to be some kind of weird psychopath for the next 50 years of the Archers. Do you know, my son, who is 10, I, was, I didn't let him hear it, but he asked me this morning why my Twitter was going bing, 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 bing. And he said, mummy, mummy, what's going on? Um, and I said, uh, I said, look, uh, Helen's might have killed rob we don't know if he's dead or not on on the archers and and he was asking me why and i said because he was he was um attacking her and then he was trying to attack her son and and william said well that's traumatized him for the next 10 years he said mm-hmm. and, I, and i was trying to explain to william that he that the actor wasn't in the in the studio where he's recorded separately and william said no i meant in the archers not in real life and i thought oh we've got a potential dumpty dummer here already hello dumpty dum roy field lucy robert and angela lisa de Brule here aka lollipop rosie on the twitters and flip chat and i'm a first time caller inner i'm calling from brighton beach on a sunny bank holiday monday I've been an Archers fan for about 17 years, so that makes me a Siobhan, Rory's mum, vintage. 
I work for an airline as crew and I take my Archers podcast all around the world with me. It's like a little piece of home I carry around with me. And sometimes I listen to the podcasts on my break at 38,000 feet in a coffin-sized bunk whilst trying to sleep on a long night flight or on a beach. Destinations next month are Jamaica and Antigua. Lucky me. I bloody love the archers and I can't believe I've only just found Dumpty Dum. Now my life is complete. I've found my people, my tribe, somewhere where I belong. When I became a fan 17 years ago, I used to listen to the archers whilst bathing my three young sons. Even now, when they are six foot plus strapping young men with beards, they have a Pavlovian reaction when they hear the Barkwick Green theme tune and feel that they should all be naked in a bath together. Yes, perhaps I have damaged my children. With my youngest of three sons about to flee the nest, off to university next month, I'm so happy to have connected to Dum to Dum. It's my comfort blanket as I begin this new chapter in my life. So thanks, guys. Keep up the fantastic work. At a time when the world is a little uncertain and scary, I feel anchored listening to you. Oh, yes, and I've been wondering, will Lily be bonking Russ in the Halls of Residence in Manchester next month? Guess we will find out soon enough. And I'm looking forward to the Brighton meet-up on the 12th of October and Dum to Dum Live in November. Sending lots of Ambridge love. Bye for now. As much as Dum de Dum is a show about the archers, it's also a show about the listeners of the archers and their ups, downs and roundabouts. This was writ large last year when Witherspoon unfortunately suffered a heart attack. The outpouring of support for him was profound, touching and incredibly moving on Twitter and of course on the show. Here is Witherspoon, a week or so after his heart attack, reporting on his progress. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Who do you want first, Lucy? Let's have Witherspoon, because he has been poorly sick. Oh, good call. Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. We've been keeping up with both the Archers and our little podcast in the last couple of weeks. First from hospital bed, and now in the comfort of my home, with Angus Haggis by my side. I'm just going to do a little bit of Archers analysis today. Hats off to the scriptwriters for having anti-cardboard's cognitive issues be secondary to a urinary tract infection. In fact, this is one of the first things physicians will look for when evaluating a change of mental status in an elderly person. Such a mundane problem in a younger person can cause major issues in a senior. Okay, let's talk about me. Just kidding. Let's talk about cardiovascular (laughs) disease, which I now have. As many of you know, I unexpectedly suffered a heart attack on June 5th, and I had one stent placed in the Widowmaker coronary artery. Fortunately, the other arteries were clear. First, from the bottom of this broken but healing heart, I want to thank all my friends in the Dumpty Dum community for an amazing outpouring of love and support. You don't know how important it was to me. Second, although I don't think he's listening, all my love to my handsome husband, without whose support and hard work, would have made these last two weeks much more difficult. 
cardiovascular disease, heart attack, myocardial infarction, scary words. In fact, I had a complete cardiac workup a year ago. and My heart was declared healthy. A week prior to June 5th, I presented to an urgent care center with chest pain, and my heart was declared healthy. Health can be a thin, fragile line. I had no known risk factors. I am 59 years old, a lifetime non-smoker, and you can frequently find me in the gym. I am a physician. What some of the take-home messages for you listening? I did some Googling and discovered that cardiovascular disease causes 26% of the deaths in the UK each year. I'm sure it's a similar number in the States. It's not just an old person's disease. 42,000 people under the age of 75 die of CVD annually in the UK. I'm sure most of us know someone who has had a heart attack or at least had a stent put in. The good news is that in 1961, heart disease caused over 50% of the deaths in the UK. What can you do to improve your odds that you won't join me in the heart disease club? That's still so hard for me to say. First, if you smoke, stop. Now. Right now. Get your lipid panel checked by a doctor. If your cholesterol is high, then start on a statin medication. Statins are your friends, unless you have side effects. Study after study show how beneficial this class of medication is. Decrease or even eliminate your red meat and pork intake. Sorry, Archer's families. Walk more, (laughs) take the stairs, do some weight resistance exercise. What is amazing is how much doctors can do if you are symptomatic. Stents are the most amazing yet simplest of medical equipment. They now thread them up through your wrist and not your groin. Although I'm taking a lot of medications now, they will decrease in time and will keep me healthy for a long, long time, which I intend to be. So be compliant with treatment. And Archer's writers, how can not one person in Ambridge be dealing with heart disease? (laughs) I complimented you earlier, but now need to take you to task. Let's get real. Okay, my public health announcement has come to an end. Back to our regularly scheduled podcast. Thanks for the extra time today, and I'll talk to you next week with my usual musings. Love to you all. Oh, it's lovely to hear him sounding so so well. Do you know what? My my mother asked me roughly how old Witherspoon was, and I said I think he's in his late 40s. Mm. So I was 10 years out. He's in very good nick. Dare I say, the gayers are generally like that, aren't, though, aren't they? They look yeah. after themselves. They, exactly. They look <laughs> after themselves, which is, you know, partly the reason why we're all so shocked that, you know, he could come yeah. down with, with that, you know, him yeah. of all people. Because he's always sending pictures of himself at the gym. I'm just heading to the gym. I'm doing this yeah. at the gym. You know, he doesn't particularly booze or anything. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah. and he's definitely young at heart as well. So yes. he crumbs. Yeah, you know. And Do you want to hear something really scary? Go on then. My friend, mm. who is my age, yes. no, she's slightly older than me. Um, she uh, went to the doctor complaining of indigestion and um, a sort of a na- nausea feeling and a bit of indigestion that just didn't seem to go. And he told her that she'd already had two heart attacks. Wow! And, and she's a nurse. Holy cow! I know. It's really scary. Anyway. Mm. Oh, that was a public service announcement on behalf of the Cardiac Health Society of Great Britain. Stop mm. smoking. Stop stop eating beef burgers. And... True that. On that note, um, shall we have another caller in, Ra? 
Why not? Good evening, Dumpty Dummers Worldwide. It's Catherine <laughs> Rowan-Jones calling in from High Wycombe at 88 Ivy Fox on the Twitters. Superlative monologue this week, Lucy. You keep setting the bar higher. Thank you. It's Wednesday night, and I'm sorry, my credulity has gone twang. Fucking jelly darling, <laughs> on about floral pedestals. It sounds like flowery louse to me. And the most middle-class so-called drugs kids ever. No, I don't buy it. And lastly, fucking Adam the Brexiteer. Europeans <laughs> are closer to the soil. In case it's missed you, Adam, we're all still European at the moment. And no, our legs are not shorter than the denizens <laughs> of other land masses. Enough moaning. Two predictions. One is that Freddie had the wherewithal to switch his mobile to record during his conversation with Creepy Russ. I rang in with that one and the show that it vanished. So that's that. Oh. And the other one's Techie too. Kate said to Adam in passing, um, she had hundreds of con email contacts um, which she could deploy to source pickers for him should he need them. Uh, being a nerd, GDPR, I wondered if she might now deploy those contacts with a take action mail out and the yogurt weavers and tofu knitters and navel gazers and general earth loving types could be massed to protest the pond of poison. Thank you every <laughs> for everything you do. I love you all and I'm really glad that Witherspoons are on the mend. Cheery bye. <laughs> She's very good, isn't she? <laughs> she is. Um... <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's uh, Minty Matt here from the Twitter. I love your show, and I thought I'd call in. Uh, I just read your plea for listeners' reasons why they turn their ears to the archers, and I thought I'd share mine. I started only last year in uh, 2018, in April. I think that makes me a Russ. I hope it does, as I think he's a brilliant character and look forward to hearing more about his variable temperature cook uh, kettle in the uh, near future. The reason I tuned in was that in 2015, my wife and two daughters moved to Dubai from uh, rural England. We're teachers and we were desperate to escape the conditions for uh, public sector workers in the UK. We've uh, settled really well and my daughter's school run is about 13 minutes. So the perfect length of time for an episode. It helps me and my girls remember the UK, its uh, idiosyncrasies and share moments together. My 11-year-old likes the younger characters, especially Mia. And her storyline with Will, um, we both adore Jazza and love screaming at the radio when uh, she Shula comes on. It brings us together for that short time. Uh, the Archers is now such a permanent daily fixture in the rhythm of my day here in the desert that I never see that changing. Um, keep up the good work, everybody, and uh, goodbye and good luck. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Bye. I've been wondering why there are no dumpty mugs uh, and why they've not taken off. And then I tried it on my cat's piece, Montilly. So I'm going to leave you with their rendition of uh, Harford Green. You ready, Tilly? Them, by the way. Go on, then, give it some. Is that the best you can manage? Say hello to Boyfield and Lucy. Hello. Come on. Thank you. That's why cat wrangling is just not worthwhile. This is Dumdy Dum, the show about the reality turkey drama that are centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the Thai fisherman's pants that is Royfield Brown, and with me are the clown trousers that is... Lucy Freeman. But first, folks... Before the plethora, the smorgas board, the universe of voices that is the Dum Dum Caller in is, it's our Lucy and a week in Ambridge. It was Valentine's Day in Ambridge. Safe to say there was not a whole lot of love going on, just a lot of relationships that made (laughs) us go, yeah, I'm really sure this isn't a good idea. Molly and Tilly Button, who would go to the opening of an envelope, appeared to be the only people who turned up at Ben and Rory's caravan orgy. David spent the whole evening crouched behind a hedge watching teenagers shagging. You do know what that makes you, don't you, David? Tyne, dogger, fisher, German bite. (laughs) Valentine's... Valentines of advanced years seem to be the only ones who got it on with any success, namely Leonard and Jill. David even spied on them, having phone sex, for goodness sake. It would have been proper sex, but Leonard had some credit to use up on his mobile till the next month, and Jill (laughs) didn't want to miss Alan Titchmarsh's extreme composting. This was after a day at Lower Loxley, when Jill unleashed on poor Leonard exactly what he was letting himself in for. Well, Leonard, this is my son Kenton, a teenager in his late 50s, and this is his wife, a busty barmaid who talks like the rabbit from the Cadbury's Caramel advert, who invented a woman called Beverly Drains and has been living under an assumed name for the last 30 years. All quite normal, quite normal. Oh, and my daughter Elizabeth, who has a dicky ticker and is a bit tired. She's absolutely fine. She's just a bit tired. She just needs to brush her hair and she'll be fine. Leonard took all this in his stride, God bless him, and assured Jill that Freddie, who he's never met, will be fine because he's like Elizabeth, who he'd met for two minutes and was clearly off her onion. Thank God for wise (laughs) Leonard. 
Poor Lee made an effort to take Helen out for Valentine's Day and she thought it was so funny to go to a common place. Oh, look, there's people eating food that isn't organic. It's sweet. Um, he also had a confession. Um, I used to not help around the house and I used to go to the gym all the time. Oh, yes, my marriage was pretty much the same, except <laughs> a bit more knifey, said Helen vaguely. Uh, at the rest of Bridge Farm, things were not quite so romantic. Tony and Johnny had a lovely time together. She's fleshy round her tail head, said Johnny. I've always gone by... I've always gone by feel and eye, said Tony. Then they were both asked to leave Aqua Aerobics, and that was the end of that. They went home and found Tom in a state of arousal about his new iLeak app. He excitedly showed his father the bit that tells you the most efficient route to a customer's house. That's incredible, gasped Tony. It's a bloody sat-nav. What is wrong with you people? I think there's a sign just outside Pat and Tony's that says, Bridge Farm, you are now entering 1952. Please drive carefully. Outside of Valentine's <laughs> Day, Brian decided he needed to cut down on costs, so he went to Gay Grable's for lunch. He managed to snag some free chips to go with his pâté de foie gras and complained that he couldn't afford now to watch the cricket or send his son to private school. My God, he said, I think I'm one of the underclass. It says something for Jennifer that after decades of her husband rogering everything that didn't move fast enough, her bringing up his lover's child, having one child who lives entirely on Skype, a son who's having a child with a woman that cleans the caravans and an alcoholic daughter. It was the fact that she's only got room for one tagine that drove her to tell Kate to get a bloody grip. <laughs> I actually cheered. Not that it did much good because Kate huffed off, moved into a yurt for 10 minutes and was then irritatingly rescued by Auntie Lillian, who escorted her back to the Dower House Gin Palace. Blast you, Lillian. That was our chance to see Kate having to bathe in the swirling acid vat that is now the Anne and live off deer food and whatever she can scrape out the silage clamp. And I have a new hero. We all need one. Hurrah! Someone we can, someone we can look up to. The new music act at the Bull is the man that delivers the sanitary products to the pub. <laughs> Who better? <laughs> Who better to entertain a jaded, weary crowd than Tampax Les? He's fine, until <laughs> He's fine until he has a drink. Then he tends to swell up a bit and take up more of the stage than anyone was expecting. You can't. <laughs> I was a bit worried about that one. Too late, I've done it. <laughs> Please say that's the end. <laughs> no, it isn't. Guess what? No, oh, it doesn't really. Okay. And in a harrowing episode, which I really shouldn't include in this bit, Elizabeth began her therapy. That poor therapist, she doesn't know what she's letting herself in for. So how did you meet your husband, Mrs. Pargeter? Well, he dressed up as a gorilla and climbed into bed with my dad. And that was it, really. Mrs. Pargeter, we're going to be needing two <laughs> sessions a week and I'm going to put my prices up. The end. Oh, well done. That that really was a triumph. <laughs> Oh, I love a monologue with a sanity joke. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done, Freeman. Oh, Thank you. It, it really <laughs> brightened up my day. Anyway, last week we had um, a bottle episode, didn't we, Lucy? Whereby um, the whole episode was just one scene. Yep. And um, dare I say, one of our listeners was like a pig in muck about that. Do you want to take a wild guess as to which listener wet his... <laughs> Was it I think, I think you might be right. Here he is opining about that episode. 
Greetings, Lucy Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. So I was working out at the gym on Wednesday, first watching the show Flowers on my iPhone while on the treadmill. Talk about a dysfunctional family. But then I switched to listening to the day's episode of The Archers when I began my weight training. Elizabeth was meeting with her therapist for the first time. After about five or six minutes, I wondered in amazement whether the producers would actually devote the entire episode to the therapy session. By the end, I wanted to stand up and say, bravo, Archers. Royfield had previously brought up the excellent show In Treatment, and I thought maybe we'd get snippet of Elizabeth's treatment, like in The Sopranos, but I didn't expect an entire episode dedicated to the exploration of her depression. First off, I 100% agreed with what Lucy and Royfield said last week. I thought that Elizabeth's announcement, I have depression, was odd and not well conceived. But Alison Dowling made up for it with an excellent portrayal this episode. Keep in mind, 13 minutes does not a therapy hour make. But I fully understood the structural limitations of the episode and bought into it because how well written it was and because I felt like I was sitting with Elizabeth for a full hour. My initial visit with a patient actually lasts 90 minutes. I find there's a lot of ground to cover. Unlike this therapist, whose name and degree we never find out, and other therapists and psychiatrists, I never ask for any written background information ahead of time. I even ask for basic stuff like address, telephone number, family members, and work, which serves as a warm-up and helps to break the ice with the patient. Now, I read some criticism online about the fact that Elizabeth was able to get an appointment with the therapist so quickly, even considering the fact that she went privately. Again, I give the show dramatic license to have done so. It's equivalent to the fact that I, like many psychiatrists here, am not a participating provider in any health insurance company, so the wait for an appointment with me is typically two weeks. I also read some criticism that the therapist was being too directive or supportive. I didn't Mm -mm. think so. I thought she was rather open-ended in her questions and suggested to Elizabeth that she go with whatever she was thinking about. There were times she was a bit more directive, suggesting to Elizabeth that it was okay to feel a certain way. But I thought that was fine because she needed to offer support to a very depressed person and break through her resistance. There were a couple of basic follow-up questions that were not asked, such as, why was Freddie in jail? And how did Nigel die? I'll give the therapist the benefit of the doubt considering the time constraints. She also quickly zoned in on Elizabeth's grief about Nigel, which probably in reality would not have occurred so quickly. As an aside, I wonder if Elizabeth's exploration of Nigel's death will lead back to any unresolved anger toward David. David, I also wonder whether she still grieves for the lost pregnancy when she had an abortion. The therapist also got Elizabeth to touch upon a lot in the 13-minute hour including issues related to her fragile health when she was a young child, her sense of having a free ride growing up, her low self-esteem, her having to be the caretaker of another family's legacy, and her sense of failure as a parent. Again, all these issues would not have been touched upon in the first session, but that's show business. 
Most importantly, <laughs> the therapist emphasized that this all will be a slow process of discovery and recovery. I hope Elizabeth listens. Hey, I was in therapy for 18 years. Talk to you all soon. This is the ranty thing that I was talking about earlier. Ooh. What I found interesting about this was Elizabeth's own guilt at what she was doing. That she kept saying, but oh, but that's not it. That's not it. I just need to get fixed. I just need to get fixed and stop being self-indulgent and move on. And um, uh, we have uh, we had an emailer in her, um, Ambridge Pony Club, who I will read out in a minute. But I think she and I are on the same page with this, as they say. Um, I have depression. And I had therapy for a long time, six years, something like that. And I take antidepressants and I take them every day. And I started taking them, can't remember, four years ago, three years ago. And uh, I started taking them and I um, went to the GP and I started taking them and uh, you have to go back for a follow-up thingy. There's so many myths about antidepressants and you just feel like, Oh, anyway, um, one of them is, oh, they just dole about like Smarties. No, they bloody well don't. Anyway, um, so I, I went back to see him and uh, he said, so how are you feeling? And I said, I said, I feel incredible. I feel like I've been let out of prison. And he said, that's marvelous. He said, is there any questions? I said, yes. When can I stop taking them? And he said, sorry. And I said, when can I, I stop taking the antidepressants? And he said, you've just told me you feel like you've been let out of prison. Why do you want to go back in? And I said, well, because you shouldn't take them, should you? I mean, they're bad for you, aren't they? And he said, well, depression's not that great for you. And um, he he took a long time. And I was amazed at my own imbecility that I would assume that something that was making me feel better, I didn't deserve. And that I just had to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight and fight to um, fix it myself and that I was being self-indulgent or narcissistic or whatever, uh, getting proper help. It was absolutely extraordinary. And if any of my friends had done it, I would have been extremely sympathetic to them uh, and, you know, and wouldn't have said to them, oh, I don't, can't you just, you know, go to bed earlier? Can't you do whatever? Um, And uh, it was only when, and I am deeply ashamed of this now, but it just sort of shows you what a, pillock you can be sometimes um when there was a lady up the road whose teenage daughter died she committed suicide and she suffered from tremendous depression and um the neighbors knew about it and um uh, obviously we you know sent flowers and did all that stuff and I met a mutual friend of, of of this lady's and I said I said it's so sad and uh she said yes it's a terrible illness And I said, oh, did she have an illness as well? And she said, no, she had depression. It's a terrible illness. And I thought, oh, yeah. And it was the way she said it. I had automatically gone to thinking she had cancer. She had, you know, she must Mm. have had something else. Not just that that itself is an illness. And, you know, I'm getting quite sort of militant about it now because, um. Sorry, this is turning into a bit of an epic no, no, you go. <laughs> rant. Um, uh, uh, y- y- people try and people who wouldn't dream of commenting on any other aspect of your life. When you say, "I take antidepressants," they say, "Oh, have you tried yoga? Have you tried, you know, herbal tea? 
Have you? Well, it's very stressful, but maybe you can come off them as soon as as soon as things have calmed down. And you think, stop telling me when I should come off. Th- Why do I have to come off them? Why is there this pressure? The worst thing I ever saw was a bloody. A breakfast television magazine program that very helpfully put up on screen the amount antidepressants was costing this country, was costing the NHS. As if that is going to make anybody that suffers from depression and has feelings of anxiety about their own self-worth, as if that was a good idea. It's just the one of the most pathetic, most just disgusting things I've ever seen. You know, never mind, you know, what alcoholism is costing the country or drug abuse or obesity or whatever else. No, no, no. Let's concentrate on antidepressants that make the anxious anxiety, make the anxious people worse, you know. Um, And then you have the people that say, well, have you tried coping without them? And, you know, my thyroid doesn't work. So I take synthetic I take have to take a synthetic thyroid hormone, like lots and lots and lots of people. It's a very common thing. And I also wear contact lenses. And if I take my contact lenses out, try as I might, I am not going to be able to see any better. If my brain doesn't produce the right chemicals, I can try all I like. It's not going to make any difference. Yes, of course, there's a place for talking therapies and whatever, you know, and I had that and whatever else sort of gets you through. But it's your choice. It's not a weakness. It's not up to anybody else how you deal with it. And People who haven't ever experienced it could, should shut the fuck up, quite honestly. And, you know, I agree, you know, the, the way that um, they're all talking about it as if she's, you know, she's grown another head or something, as if she's let herself down. She's let them down. And it, she's talking about herself as if she has let herself down. And it's just, it's so accurate. It's depressing in itself. And I feel like saying to people, I tell you what, if you think I should stop taking antidepressants, how about I take my contact lenses home and I'll drive you home? I'll take my contact lenses out and I'll drive you home. How about that? Because if you think I can just, uh, sorry, I'm going to get upset. (laughs) If you think I could just sort of jolly my way out of this, let's see if I can jolly my eyes into working as well. And good bloody luck. Hey, Well, well said, you. Hello, Dumpty Dum Gang. This is Drew calling from Tokyo. I understand that today we're talking about our recollections on when we first started listening to The Archers. I found The Archers pretty much by accident. Uh, a friend and I were in a pub in Tokyo talking about American soap operas, and I mentioned how I'd always wanted to follow a soap opera, but who has that kind of time? Uh, my friend's parents were uh, English, and so he knew about The Archers and suggested it almost as a joke. But as it turned out, I had a four-hour drive the next day that I had to do. So I downloaded a few weeks' worth of the show and started listening. Um, About the very first thing that I remember was somebody walking in on Lillian and Justin getting it on. I wasn't entirely sure what I'd got myself into at that point. But by the time that I was done the first few weeks, I guess I was hooked. The, The first you know, a couple months that I listened, I had to listen to each episode a couple times because I wasn't sure who anybody was. And I, I couldn't understand some of the accents. But it's been a few years now. And uh, it's part of my day. And I'm happy to have found it. Uh, anyway, that's uh, my story. Talk to you all later. Bye. Harriet Carmichael, who plays Shambridges, is here. And we're going to, she's going to talk to us later about her new thing, which is called Glambridges. And Annabelle, 
wants to <laughs> hear you do her voice in front of her while she talks. <laughs> she's she's got a correction for you. And she's yes. notes. There's a there's a seriously. Good. You're too good. <laughs> okay, should we crack on with the yes, questions? Yes, I think we should. Okay. Um, how are we going to do this exactly? So these questions have been uh, submitted by our lovely studio audience. Okay, so. This question is from Siobhan. Why hang around in a village where your ex-fiancé lives? I call that weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, Siobhan, it is totally weird. Why the hell would you go back there, having been jilted at the altar in front of the whole village and your best friends betrayed you? But Siobhan, it's a drama. It's not real life. <laughs> and I thank my lucky stars that it is, because otherwise I wouldn't be here. Um, but I've you... no idea is the answer. So Annabelle, not sure. Maybe yeah. next Annabelle, New Year's you day. talked about um, tension, which is the heart of any tension, kind of drama. Yes. Tension, conflict yes. between between characters. When you came on to the Archers, mm-hmm. right, there was a certain amount of speculation about about your accent. <laughs> Right, and you were somewhat <laughs> combative with people online. Yes. So I think you have to uh, tell the uh, assembled dumdy dummers exactly what uh, what your origin story is, what your superhero story is, and the reason why um, actually the accent that you're given is actually um, quite authentic. Well, I'm not Bulgarian, but my family are Polish. I'm first generation English, so both my parents were born. Well, my mum was actually born in a German refugee camp after the war, and her family were Polish. Her father was in Dachau. Uh, and my father came over here when he was 21. Uh, so they're fully, fully Eastern European. I grew up, my first language was Polish, went to Polish school in Wilsdon Green. Um, uh, so that's my Eastern European background. Now, when they, the archers contacted me about playing a Bulgarian, the biggest debate was how far do we go with an accent? Because if you listen to the woman that I based the accent on, I mean, I remember when Hugh, Hugh was editor at the time, and there was no, we were like, well, no one, was, no one would understand me if I went that far. <laughs> with would be like, what? Because she's really, she's been here 10 years. She had, and the reason I chose her was because she had English-speaking oh. lessons with her friend. Yeah. And that's how she's learned. Um, but her accent is really strong. And it's a very, it's a, it's. I don't think you can please anyone, everyone rather. One, it's, it? Because, it, yeah. Because obviously, a character like Lexi, you came. In, I mean, my husband's Spanish. He's been here for ten years, and Lexi spoke speaks better this, better yeah. English than he did. She spoke better English than yeah. my husband does after two weeks yeah, yeah, of yeah, lessons yeah. with Kirsty. <laughs> Drama. No offense to my husband. <laughs> but the, the thing is, if you're going to be a regular character, you can't have someone speaking horrendous English no. the whole time. You just got to listen to it. So that they give, yeah, they Lexi. suddenly give Lexi the most amazing vocabulary and grammar, but with the strongest accent. But it works. That's the way it it's got to be now. Yeah. And I think, listen, I, I heard... I heard in the green room that even actors that are genuinely from the places they're from, oh, yeah, no, we, we, we all they've all been ribbed, yeah, no, we all, yeah. even though yeah. they are genuinely oh, northern. Yeah. Or So yeah. I yeah, yeah, don't yeah. think you're mm. ever going to, no matter what you do, whether you're... You're damned if you do, you're damned if you yeah, don't. Exactly. Um, um, so I've, I do my best. I keep listening to this woman. If I, <laughs> if I rolled my R's like her, Kerry Warbis would absolutely just <laughs> stop listening altogether. <laughs> I know she finds my arse horrendous, but I could I'll say I can tweak the link. Um um so yeah, it's hardcore, but you know, you learn to 
it's tough at the beginning because you want you want the fans to sort of take you in mm. yeah. and and not you know yeah, but we selection. hate everybody when they're I new. know but that's everyone's new like, oh, but right. I had to and learn then after that we hate because I go mm, but oh, I had okay. to learn that and it's part yeah. of the beauty of you guys and I mean the tweet along has me in stitches and you know sometimes I mean we were laughing during your speech and we know we maybe shouldn't be laughing because <laughs> I had, you know, I had death threats when I started as next you did not yeah, yeah I'd be alright online on the old mustard land board and stuff I used to get like people wanted to kill me because they hated me so much oh my, oh my word, word. Oh, no. <laughs> but you get like crazy stuff yeah yeah That's people get insane. very kind of like and it is a lot perhaps everybody I think everybody who comes into the show you do get a lot of flack because it's change you know yeah yeah it's something new and it's something disruptive Becky Dundum yeah. is a safe space it's a it's <laughs> No crazy. I stopped all the crazies at the front door. Hi, my name's Becky and I used to be in the arches. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a donut? <laughs> uh, you got another question there, Annabelle? I have. Um, Christine Armstrong says, when Tom jilted you at the altar, were you afraid of being permanently written out? And the answer is yes, I was. <laughs> it was all very weird because myself and the old Tom, who was Tom, called Tom in real life, uh, you know, went on for so long, the whole wedding prep and all the episodes up to the wedding. And we used to chat and be asking the directors in the studio, oh, where are we going to live? And where are Tom and Kirsty going to go on their honeymoon? And people would just go bright red and sogging. <laughs> and we thought something weird's going on here something weird is going on and I, I, mean, I remember we went out for a drink one night and I said I don't think this wedding's going to happen it's not going to happen that nobody's looking at the people can't make, look me in the eye no one's talking about where, what's going to happen and uh, I said I think they're going to kill Kirsty off I think something's going to happen or she's going to I don't know, she's going to have an accident on the way to the wedding or something. And then we got the phone call telling us it wasn't going to happen. And the first thing we were told was that um, it's going to be an amazing week. It's all going to be about you. <laughs> You're going to lead the story. Um, but then you won't be heard for at least six months. Yeah, I got um, and I died. Oh, God. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and we were both told this. And, um, and I was told, well, we, the intention is to bring Kirsty back. But you just never know. So... You know, I did my big wedding week, big wailing wedding week, and um, and then that was it. And fortunately, I was brought back. But yeah, I thought, you know, no reason to bring her back. So yeah, it was a bit of a funny one. But I just thought, you know, like Nick said, um, like Becky said, you don't know. You know, we're used to doing jobs, acting jobs that can last one day, two days, a two-month theatre job. So, you know, it's a real luxury to be in something as long as this. So... Again, I sort of thought if it was my time to go, at least I'd gone out on a big storyline. You know, you just didn't go out for more different. I'm sorry, like here. Yeah. <laughs> if the writers gave you carte blanche to kill off any of the characters, <laughs> who would you choose and why? Ooh. Well, I had a theory about Nick. It's probably not the probably the answer people are going for. But I used to think that sometimes Nick sailed really close to the edge, that one day she might actually snap. And in the, I think in the, certainly in my final scenes with Emma and the bull, me and uh, Emerald sat down and just went, oh, should we just go for it? Should we just like, I'm a proper fish wifey Barney? And we did. And I always had this theory that Nick was really sometimes pushed really to her limits by people who were judging her. And I think she came from quite a broken background and had some, some real emotional damage as a kid. So probably I'd be there get the guns out and kill them all. <laughs> no! <laughs> well, you, you almost did Matt Crawford anyway, almost. 
Yeah, almost. almost. <laughs> if you just backed up again, you'd not quite. Should have reversed him. <laughs> um, but, be- but before you go, you have to do the three actors around the table. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so embarrassing because it's like Lucy said when you're doing it in your own place. You can't do it now. Do it now. It's just do it now. Do it now. Okay. Well, hang on. When I'm when I'm kind of channeling Kirsty, I have to <laughs> shut my eyes and say sausages and Tom. And, no, um, you know, because she, uh, I just sort of make it a bit lower and um, the intonation is a bit different, obviously. But um, I found Kirsty really hard to do at first and then I, it's not, not, not as good as when I do it on my own. Um, <laughs> but with her sitting next to me, it's a little bit embarrassing. Um, <laughs> But I love doing Kirsty because she's feisty and, you know, she loves talking about Tom. And, <laughs> but I know she's got a few notes for me. So. <laughs> Go on. What am I doing wrong? No, do you want me to say? Yes. no, because when my friends have tried to imitate me in the past, they always think, they always sort of go, oh, I'm Annabelle Dowler. And I say, no, 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 I'm not Scouse. I'm from Formby, not Liverpool. And you get it so right because you don't do it really Scouse. But I'm, I've realised that I do this thing and I've only realised from listening to you where I overemphasise every word I'm saying. And that is what you get so well. Can you, uh, you one can't down, do Lexi, One down, two to go. Lexi well, really well. I, no, I, well, I, I did Lexi once. Yes, and I just and I did. Heard it and it was brilliant. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I, I just did a generic Eastern European. But, um, oh, what did I say? Um, well, obviously, because uh, you have quite a low voice as well. And I, um, Roy, I just think it was, uh, how do you say, um, uh, sausages? And, okay, no, I can't do that. Really <laughs> I, I think I just did a very generic kind of thing and rolled my R's a bit and... Uh, <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I don't want to do Lexi. <laughs> do, 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 do Nick. Come on, you're oh good at Nick. You are. And Nick, um, oh, what was I saying for to get Nick? Um, There's no point um, in giving you notes, is there? No, well, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I know Becky anyway, and I know she doesn't really, really sound as much like Nick as Nick does. Um, uh, oh, gosh, what was I saying for Nick? Um, it was just, you know, it's sort of a bit like, um, you know, she's very, quite softly spoken, and it was like, um, come on, Joe, and... Um, um, no, come on, Will. No. <laughs> Hi, Dumpty Dummers around the world. This is Mia in Newcastle speaking. Um, I've caller-inned few times before over the last couple of years but I've never really left my credentials um I started listening well I'm going to call myself a Nigel not because Nigel was the first character on the scene when I started listening it's just I started listening on the day he tumbled off the roof and I don't care who else might have been in um the episode at the time but that's that's who I am so it's about been whatever it is seven years or so and um I'm up in Newcastle. I'm the Catholic chaplain at Newcastle University and I work for the Catholic Church and I've listened to Dumpty Dum for the last few years and absolutely love it. Uh, It's my favourite podcast and I went to the May meetup um, this year, a few months ago, which was great. Sadly, can't join you in November, um, but I wish you all well. 
I'm looking forward to um, the downfall of um, House Aldridge and also Brookfield. Um, can't wait for David to get it in the neck from, from Ruth uh, about the poor pitch they made for Pig, Piggy's money and just loving the archers. Look forward to seeing some of you next year at the Academic Archers Conference and take care, everybody. Bye. Hi, Royfield. I've just seen your plea for people to call in um, with recollections of how and why we got into the archers. So here you are. Um, My husband introduced me to the archers, but long before he was my husband, I think, we were in a car and it came on the car radio and he said, oh, I think you ought to listen to this. I think you'd like this. Um, I don't know that he was a regular listener, but anyway, he seemed to know a lot more about it than I did at the time. And I've rarely missed an episode since. As you get into these things, you you don't. When I was a student, I used to um, record it all on cassette tapes if I was going to be out. So I had it all set up. I never missed an episode. Um, We had a slightly barren patch when we first went to Kenya. And I don't know if it was before I play a radio and podcast, but certainly I didn't have the wherewithal to get things like that. So um, you could sign up for a, an email service where they would email you every day a synopsis of the plot. So I managed with that for about a year, which was very unsatisfactory, actually. And I do remember being absolutely amazed on a visit home once and listening to it properly um, I heard Vicky Tucker for the first time um, and I'd not imagined her with a Birmingham accent at all so that was that was quite funny who's that um, and now it's wonderful because there are podcasts and you never miss an episode it's wonderful except when the Archers isn't so wonderful and you think Ugh. but then of course if you didn't listen to the Archers then you wouldn't get the full benefit of Dumpty Dum so oh, there we are I hope that's a helpful memory. Bye. Hello, Dumpty Dummers World Ride. It's Catherine Rowan Jones calling in from High Wycombe at ATA Ivy Fox on the Twitters. Briefly about my archers listening history. I was raised by my grandmother. We listened to the archers on the wireless on the top shelf. So when I went to Sunday school, I understood about the voice of God speaking from on high, but I got a bit confused. Uh, I went away in my teen years, which is when Boyfriend came to the Archers. Uh, I got back into Radio 4 with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And when I was horrendously homesick in France in the early 90s, it was that little tiny link with back home. As for Dum to Dum, that's more important and it's bigger. Like many people, um, I listen to the Archers on my own and I don't have anyone to bounce back what's their motivation, why is this person behaving like this, let alone plot predictions. Dum to Dum forms a very vital link between all of us with speculation interpretation uh, that we can't do for ourselves because we don't have that interchange. Uh, I really love the interplay between Lucy, um, her insight into people's behaviour, uh, Royfield and the wealth of knowledge and experience he brings to it. It's a wonderful melange um, and of course the inclusivity. You want us caller in or us uh, chipping in with our tuppy worth. Um, and it's enabled me to accept my rough as a badger's ass voice. When I first called in and I heard laughter, I thought, oh, I won't do that again. But 
then I realised it's just the contrast between the erudite nature of what I have to say and its delivery, or at least I think so. Love you all. Thank you. Jones out. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.